Hello again, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Political Beats, a presentation of National Review. Follow us on Twitter at political underscore beats. You may also find us on Facebook, too, to search for Political Beats. We also ask you to subscribe to our feed for new episodes through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Plus, right there at nationalreview.com, click on podcast. You'll find all the fine NR podcasts, including ours. Listen, enjoy, share them, leave reviews, help others find the old program. My name is Scott Bertram. You can find me on Twitter at Scott Bertram. My tag team partner standing by as always and being quiet as the baby sleeps. Jeff Blair. Jeff, how are you? I am doing fantastic, Scott. And, you know, in the words of Hank Kingsley from the old Larry Sanders show (laughs) on HBO, uh, hey now, hey now. Find Jeff on Twitter at EsotericCD. And our guest for today's program, a return guest, a professor of law at Notre Dame Law School. This time we find him stateside as opposed to across the pond. He also writes about administrative law, legal interpretation, philosophy of law. Find him on Twitter at Pojadowski. He's Jeff Pojadowski. Jeff, thanks for coming back. It's wonderful to be back, guys. Thankfully, we we doubled your feet from the first time. So you should see that <laughs> reflected in your check when it arrives. Uh, Excellent. Jeff, I know we did this once before with our previous episode on pavement, but if you could just tell us a little bit about what you do at Notre Dame and uh, how you kind of fit into the ecosystem here. Great. Well, um, I am just finishing my, I believe, my 10th year teaching here uh, at Notre Dame Law School. Uh, I'm originally an East Coaster. I uh, moved out to the Midwest, and uh, and we love it here. I write um, a lot in administra- about administrative law, which is law governing government agencies, which a lot of your listeners probably care about. Um, I write a little bit on constitutional interpretation, um, and I like to write and think about the philosophy of law. Uh, so, again, I, I'm not directly involved in politics. I'm more dire- I'm more involved in law and uh, given the ecosystem, I'm kind of happier having happier having it that way. Um, but uh, it's it's great to be here. All law is politics these days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The legal realists of Chicago taught you that. Yeah. <laughs> Just from the East Coast, we head to a totally different coast for our band today, uh, Australia and parts of New Zealand as well for Crowded House, a band that perhaps some people know one two songs and we're of course here to tell you today that you should know more than one or two songs from this band called crowded house jeff we turn the floor back to you tell us uh, tell us why you love crowded house how you got into them and why anyone else should care about this music well i guess the story of me getting into them is is actually pretty typical so the well i, I remember when i was nine years old um I guess the summer before fourth grade, I'm sitting in my room playing with my baseball cards on the floor, listening to my hand-me-down stereo, uh, and this song, Don't Dream It's Over, uh, comes on the radio. Uh, and being a somewhat melancholy third grader, um, this uh, this song touched me, uh, and I just loved it. I was, I think I was probably getting over some childish, unrequited crush, and the, and the melancholy of the organ really spoke to me. Uh, and, then, and, then there was the, uh, and then there was the follow-up, something so strong, and then they completely faded uh, from my consciousness uh, whatsoever. And then fast forward, I guess it is summer of 1999, or I guess it would be winter of 1999, uh, down in Australia. I, I spent my junior, <laughs> second semester of my junior year studying in Melbourne, uh, and when classes let out, I got on a bus or a van and went from Melbourne overland all the way up to the Northern Territory. And I'm sitting somewhere in a, in a I guess, a 
hostile bunkhouse in the back of a pub uh, in North Blinman, Australia, which is rural South South Australia. I think a population of about 25. Uh, and this Australian guy named Duck um, used to work on a cattle station. Duck gets out. Always. Duck, <laughs> yes, of course. Gets out an acoustic guitar and plays a song called "Better Be Home Soon." Uh, and it just blows me away. And maybe you know, maybe it was the two or three pints of. West End Lager or Victoria Bitter um, or just the atmosphere, but this just completely blew me away. Somewhere deep inside Something's got a hold on you And it's pushing me aside See it stretch on forever and I know I'm right For the first time in my life That's why I tell you You'd better be home soon uh, And when I got back to Melbourne after, after my trip, I picked up a Recurring Dream, Crowded House's Greatest Hits, and then I hop over uh, to New Zealand uh, with a buddy of mine, and my cousin is working in a small town called New Plymouth on the on the west coast of of, of New Zealand. Um, he, my adult cousin, he goes to bed with his wife. I'm ha- I'm sitting out in his living room. It's a chilly winter night uh, in the North Island. Uh, the the wood stove is crackling, uh, and I'm listening to Recurring Dream on CD uh, for the first time ever, and it just completely captured me. Uh, and then I realized there are much more uh, than this one or two songs. And then in the past couple of years with uh, with Spotify, uh, I've been getting deeper uh, into into their catalog, such that. Um, the the app Apple uh, uh, notified me that I am in the top one percent of the crowded house <laughs> listeners in the world. Uh, so I'm in the one percent of something. Um, and why why you should care? Uh, I think if you if you love melody, if you love harmony, if you love a well constructed song, um, there is you, know, you are hard pressed to find a better songwriter of his generation uh, than Neil Finn. Uh, he is an amazing songwriter um, and. It just it just can't be beat. Um, uh, now this is very different from Pavement. This is not a cool band or a hip band, um, but I think it's a deeply underrated band, uh, and hopefully we'll be able to prove that over the next couple hours. Okay, so for me, Crowded House was a band that, of course, you know, you know, just like Jeff. Which, by the way, I'm gonna just make this point again that it will always feel awkward for me <laughs> to say just like Jeff. Uh, you don't I, speak I, yourself in the third person all the time. You know what? I I I, I would call you. OJ standing for other Jeff, but I think it would be unfair to associate you with a man who played for the Buffalo Bills. Well, you could be um, you could be OJ, the original Jeff. Uh, original, okay. I'm, I'm the OG OJ. That's right. No, no. But as as Jeff said, like you know, Crowded House was for me, of course, just that band that did that one song. And of course, even back then, I didn't know it was Crowded House. I just knew it was the Hey now, Hey now, um, and beyond that. What did I know about the term crowded house? When I thought of crowded house, I thought of them in terms of like simply red or simple <laughs> minds, like one hit wonders, sort of regrettable 80s fads. Oh, uh, well, yeah, yeah, they had that one thing, uh, whatever that band that was that did uh, the Burt Baccarat cover of, uh, you know, always something. Naked there. Eyes. Naked, naked Eyes. Naked Eyes, exactly. 
slightly less hip, hip version of information society. <laughs> but, you, but you know what? The irony of that, of course, is that that's what a lot of people probably would have felt the same way about Talk Talk, which, of course, we did an earlier episode on. And of course, Talk Talk is, in my opinion, one of the most transcendent bands uh, from the 80s onwards. And so it was actually of all people it was oj here uh, it was jeff who introduced me to really he really pushed me to get into crowded house this is after we finished our pavement episode he was like hey by the way you know here's this other band that i absolutely adore you got to check him out he sent me a sort of a curated spotify playlist that he'd made um and i started listening to it you know with a bit of skepticism but also an open mind because you know that's how i approach things these days hey i've learned my lesson from old 97s yes. uh that you know if, if i'm not familiar with a group that doesn't mean that they're not good it may mean just that i'm an ignorant pud knocker um i started listening to this music and i was like this is amazing stuff and I guess the, the funny thing about it is that I had already known about the split ends. Who we'll discuss in a little bit of depth. We can't really go into them, you know, fully on this show. Uh, but that was the band that Neil Finn was in. He was sort of grandfathered into by his brother, uh, who was one of the original founders of the band. Um, you know, but I didn't know anything about Crowded House. And I think the thing to me that that stands out the most, other than what Jeff said about like if you like well written songs, beautiful songs, and also well produced songs, this is a band whose whose production trademarks every now and then you'll detect like a tick of eighties production or like nineties production. You know, those sorts of things that don't age well. But for the most part, this stuff stands up. It doesn't feel like you're listening to like I don't know, like early nineties Madonna, where it's like embarrassingly <laughs> like, you know, those those little dance bloop bleep grooves or anything like that. No, this stuff is sturdy. It's well produced. It's well written. Sleeping alone Flesh of a pineapple head It spins and it spins like a number I hold Don't remember if she was my friend It was a long time ago More importantly than that, one of the fun things about discovering Crowded House and, you know, deepening my appreciation for the split ends for that matter, is uh, realizing that, you know, even over here in this little weird niche part of the Anglosphere, which is to say New Zealand and Australia, they, Split Ends originally was a New Zealand band, then they kind of moved to Australia from New Zealand to sort of, you know, make more, you know, money to make their fame, you know, this is the equivalent of uh, a band from Britain moving from the north down to London. They would uh, say maybe Canada to the United States. Or, or <laughs> Canada to the United States, right? But this is the way, this is the way they do it down under. Um, uh, one of the fun things is to realize that they're just genuinely fantastic artists and songwriters uh, here that, that, that most people in America have never really heard of or never really discovered. I think in um, Jeff's pre-show notes to us, he pointed out is that like America thinks that like you know Australians drink Fosters. 
but that's you know that's not the beer that actual Australians <laughs> drink. They, it was Victoria Bitter. Victoria that, BB, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what actual Australians drink. And, and similarly, you know, Australians don't listen to Men at Work. You know, I come from a land down under and stuff like that. No, they, they, you know, Australians and New Zealanders they listen to Crowded House and Nick Cave. Those are the kinds of people who are their poet laureates in the rock music scene. It's just kind of a wonderful discovery to find that these guys, it's not like you hear like, oh, there's potential, but it's sort of second rate. No, no. This is 100% first class top shelf music that you have almost certainly never heard of. Although I have to point out that when I, you know, I, I, you know, announced on my Twitter feed that we were going to be doing crowded house, like a bunch of people said like, Oh man, Neil Finn is one of my favorite songwriters of all time. Oh man, really looking forward to this. So the cult lives, the cult of crowded house and of split ends and of Neil Finn uh, lives. And it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to sort of cover them on this show. And I just want to thank Jeff, you know, for like, I guess it would have been like six months ago, if not longer than that sort of like you know getting me into them because it, ever since then this has just been a, a heck of a lot of fun and i have developed you know as is my want complicated feelings about <laughs> lots of these albums and lots of these songs which we'll get into as we move on and i like jeff came to them relatively late a uh, band and artists that have always been on my periphery uh re- read a lot of really good things about neil finn and about the music and I knew a couple of split end song, though I'm, I'm not as uh, as deep into them as I think both of you guys might be. And uh, and yeah, as Jeff was emailing back and forth with us, certainly was able to uh, to introduce and, and open up. And, and 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 Jeff touched on this, which is you know don't be uh, don't be uh, don't feel bad if if you don't know this band as in depth as you might after we're done here, because um, you know during this time you know post debut album it's not as if this music was being played anywhere that you'd hear it i mean this was a type of of music that was not going to fit into or at least fit nicely into one of the you know leading radio formats of the day when you get into the very late 80s and early 90s really well written you know pop tunes with attention to song craft and uh and you know very little synth and very little electronic elements to them we're not finding a home on radio stations. So if you missed out on all this, uh, it's okay to pick it up now. Don't don't feel bad you don't know about it. That's what we're here for, and that's what Jeff's here for, to uh, help clue you in and, and, and tell you what, what, what you've been missing, what you can finally pick up. Yes, yeah, so, so kind of a, a literary metaphor that comes to mind about Crowded House. Um, so they're, you know, they're 
their post reunion stuff is great, and we'll talk about that. But their peak was, you know, from '86 to to '93, uh, and and as as Scott indicated at that time, so they kind of bridged the kind of new wave synth era or hair metal era uh, into grunge. Right, that that's when they, they were writing stuff that really didn't fit with what at least you know northern northern hemisphere americans were listening to they were um, kind of the xpc of their era exactly which, which is a great analogy because the xpc was making this great pop music that just never fit in with any of the trends <laughs> yeah and so it reminds it reminds you there's a, there's an australian novel called on the beach by neville shit uh so oh, it's a fam- and also one of the most depressing movies it's I've completely depre- it's completely depressing so there's a nuclear explosion in the northern hemisphere uh and there's these there's these people in, in in australia just kind of living on right um and if you think of kind of what happened What's happening to pop music in the late '80s and early '90s? Uh, the music industry is collapsing. Uh, oh, there's there's grunge going on, but it's kind of like the last dying gasp of really good rock on the radio. Um, and rock is kind of a going concern as someone exhausted. Um, yet, yet, nevertheless, down in Melbourne uh, and in the northern uh, in the North Island of New Zealand, uh, you have Neil Finn, uh, Nick Seymour, and Paul Hester just making one great album after another of wonderful, well-crafted pop and rock. And one thing I need to add is, uh, we're emailing back and forth, like, they have six albums. I don't think they have a weak one. Like, there is not a bad album here, and um, it's really impressive. I think that the way we have to begin the discussion is uh, with, I guess, you know, the context, the background. And, of course, the background to Crowded House is Split Ends, which I invoked XTC earlier. XTC actually toured with Split Ends for a period of time in the late 70s. And, you know, and Andy Partridge has, has pointed out that everybody thought that they were like the same kind of band. Because at that point in the late 70s, they were both doing that herky-jerky sort of a thing. <laughs> um, uh, but the story of Split Ends is honestly one that I, I could do a separate episode on they're a great band they started out as sort of a prog rock art rock band in the early 70s like 72 73 um, their first actual full-length album comes out in 75 and the thing you need to understand about them is that neil finn is not a member of the band at this point it's his older brother tim uh brian actually brian finn but then he uh, for some reason they all decided to start using their middle names uh so then he became timothy finn and this is like a weird art rock roxy music like collective like early roxy where like david you know or rather a brian eno is wearing like you know the big feather suit with the makeup and like you know a brian ferry is like you know doing the greaser thing like they were outrageous and they had these weird costumes and this bizarre public presentation and they were making music that was kind of a weird fusion i guess this is gonna sound like 
the most incomprehensible thing unless you go and listen to the early albums. It sounds like a fusion of like late seventies Jethro Tull and uh, Roy Woods the move and maybe early ELO um, mm-hmm. like those first two albums where Roy Wood was still a part of them before you know Jeff Lynn you know just turned them into this this power pop act um, and of course they evolved over time uh, you know the other major member of the band Judd he quit um, and then uh, what did he what what did uh, uh, Tim Finn do uh, he, he took a recommendation uh, from a friend and he said like you know you should just hire your brother your brother's awesome his younger brother was Neil Finn all right he was brought into the band I think in 1977 or 78 and so for the last part of uh, Split Ends's career uh, it, it it becomes a group where First of all, it's Tim Finn and Neil Finn collaborating. And then this is the hilarious part. This is institutional capture in rock music. Uh, Tim Finn actually just says, you know what, Neil, you're writing too much music. I, I feel squeezed out. He quits. It, beca- <laughs> it becomes Neil's band. The last album is only Neil and also Paul Hester and a couple of other guys. Um, and then, of course, they transition onto Crowded House. But before we move on to that, I do want to appreciate that late period, sort of the part where they're transitioning into the sort of post-punk new wave sound of split ends because there is so much wonderful music on those records um you know in particular the first time that any of these people had, had come into prominence is with i got you which is uh, off of um uh it's uh, true colors which is i think 1979 1980 um this is you know the first time they start moving into like a new wave sound that's the one that was their big crossover success in the United Kingdom. It got some airplay in America. Uh, it, it's it's not the weird, f- folky, acoustic, progish sort of stuff that you would associate with the early band. You know, now they're sounding like uh, you know, like Talking Heads or XTC or you know any number of awesome you know, like late seventies post-punk bands. Uh, and that's Neil Young, Neil Finn's, not Neil Young's. <laughs> Cause he's the younger brother, right? That's why I make the association. Neil the younger. <laughs> Neil, Neil the younger. Uh, that's his first songwriting credit with the band, his full credit. He wrote that song and that is his calling card with split ends. And that is sort of his, you know, where I think the, the, the ethos of what crowded house would become begins. I don't know what you guys think about the rest of that that later period of split ends before we move on to crowded house's proper career but i mean i love this music and it, and, and it was it's just such a joy to sort of revisit it and you know to, to realize that like yeah the stuff that i love about post-punk like echo and the bunny men or joy division or talking heads or xtc this is being done you know in australia at, at exactly the same level of quality and you probably never heard it 
Yeah, I, I think I, I enjoy the late era split ends. I, I have to confess to not listening much of the early stuff. Um, I like that early stuff a lot. Yeah. That's why we're gonna have to do. You know, we're gonna have to find some weirdo who wants to do a separate <laughs> yeah, show on them. Exactly. You can find someone dressed somebody up. Somebody like who's really, like really loves mental notes the way I do. Right. Someone, someone dressed up like Peter Gabriel can do that with you. Um, right. Exactly. Uh, but yeah. So in, 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 first off, there's some. Uh, <clears throat> it's 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 fun to see Neil Finn's melodic sensibilities punching through. Um, my message to my girl has kind of. I'm not a huge fan of the of the synth at the beginning of it, but the, oh, I love it. I I, I don't like <laughs> it one bit, you know. But then, then again, I've always had a, had a real like partialness to that early '80s sound. Yeah, but but the chorus is fantastic. You've 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 a hint of the kind of the soaring Neil Finn chorus. Same with history never repeats, uh, but you have the kind of the driving, the driving verse of the chorus. Uh, but then there's also, I mean, even some of Tim's songs um, towards the end, you still see hints uh, coming in. Not just because he participated in Crowded House, but I mean, another one of their big hits was Six Months in a Leaky Boat. Oh yes, uh, and, and and unfortunately for them, it came out right around the time of the Falkland Islands War, and the British so we couldn't act- get British radio airplay. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was blacklisted because they thought they were ta- singing about sinking an Argentinian ship, but they weren't. <laughs> Um, so it got blacklisted from the BBC, um, uh, and, um, and 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 Dirty Creatures is another good song of his, which actually sounds almost a little bit um, mid seventies Genesis e in a in a, in, uh, in a good way, um, and uh, and I think I said One Step Ahead. One Step Ahead is another really good uh, Neil Finn song. So, you know, I, I've never got into them as much as I have uh, Crowded House. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit more interested in them for the kind of the Crowded House origin story. But I think they're uh, for other people. I think it's a it's a it's a show worth its own uh, getting into on its own.
it's interesting to see them them pulling apart because like because the, the Neil songs versus the Tim songs, they they do have a very separate kind of tonality to them, yeah, right? It's, it's an Uncle Tupelo effect here. You it, it, it is. It really is. So, see, so like, Tim is is still writing kind of in that art rocky kind of proggy thing. It's all kind of reminds me, even though Brian Eno wasn't even writing music in Roxy Music, uh, you know, by the time that they separated, you know, he separated from Brian Ferry. It, it has something like that dynamic where like, you know, uh, Tim is still more committed to the art rock concepts, but Neil, Neil is, is kind of got his own kind of like, you know, singer-songwriter aesthetic going on, which of course is going to emerge in a major way. And of course, is actually I think there it, that that final album that Split Ends does, See Around, was 1984. It's right before you know they break up, they do Crowded House. He takes they Paul Hester is the drummer on See Around, the last Split Ends album, and Neil's really liked them a lot, and it's just like, all right, you know what, you're going to come join the new band that I create with me, and so it's interesting to, to try to find like the continuity between that and the first Crowded House album, and it's strange because the first, because See Around still has has a kind of a lot of a synth pop thing, kind of that early talk, talk, new romantic aesthetic, post-punk aesthetic, um, but it still has the songwriting stuff. In fact, to the point where there's a song on this album that is on the first Crowded House album. They just re-recorded it because it was uh, you know, a pop hit that should have been but never was called I Walk Away. You came out of the world to me. My life parted like the Red Sea. We float easy between the rocks and stones. Never seem to stop us. I say anything else, Scott? Do you have any? Did you ever get around to listening to any of this stuff? Just, a, just, a, just a handful. And you guys have hit the the highlights. I mean, "Message to My Girl" is a fantastic song. I, I got you. I've known for an awfully long time, and that's I, it's one of those that's in heavy rotation. You know, whenever I'm going through some sort of a mix, just that that uh, that that huge shift from that ominous uh, set of verses to the, the upbeat organ fueled chorus. Uh, I love that juxtaposition between those two parts of the song, um, and you can see uh, that that songwriting talent of Neil Finn, even what seventy nine, I think, even very early on in, in his tenure in the band. Also, I have to point out that, that we now have a situation where there are at least three great classic pop numbers uh, called I Got You uh, that we have to deal with when we make our playlists. Uh, you know, because there's I Got You, I Feel Good by James Brown. Right. And then there's I Got You at the End of the Century by Wilco. And then there's I Got You by Split Ends. And uh, I, you know, I think people should just sort of retire the title. <laughs> there's one more, actually. Um, oh, what the heck? Oh, there's a band called The Damn Wells. Uh, from out east that have a song called I Got You from a few years ago. That's in my mix, too. So there's at least yeah. four. See, uh, yeah, it's been done. You know, it's time to move on. <laughs> so Split Ends breaks up. Uh, Paul Hester comes along with um, with uh, with Neil Finn to start a new band. Well, actually, Neil Finn plays a while for on his own. Uh, he tours with this guy named Dave Dobbin, who's a big um, uh, Australian, New Zealand uh, music guy. And there's a very hopping scene in Melbourne. Uh, at this time, and they pick up this guy named Nick Seymour, 
who is the younger brother of the lead singer or uh, the lead songwriter and guitarist of a band called Hunters and Collectors, which is another uh, great lost Australian band. Um, and they put together this band. Uh, they originally called the Mullanes because uh, that's Neil's middle name. Um, uh, they, they went under the Mullanes for a while. The, they get signed. The record label doesn't like the name of that band. They, well, they don't like it either. They're worried people call them the Mullanes or something <laughs> like that. Um, and so they, they start batting around names for bands. Uh, for a while, they wanted to go under the name Largest Living Things, but the record label rejects that. Also a bad uh, name. What's that? Also a bad name. Also a bad name. But they're recording. They're, they fly over to Los Angeles. They're um, uh, signed to Capitol Records, uh, and they're writing and recording and living in Los Angeles. Uh, and their house is very crowded. Paul and um, Nick are very outgoing people. Uh, they go out. They enjoy the LA scene, whereas uh, Neil is sitting home, literally sitting home, drinking tea uh, and writing songs. And Paul, very, and, very Neil Finn, very Neil yeah. Finn, uh, and and. Uh, and Paul and Nick bring a whole bunch of people home. You hear stories about people sliding downstairs on mattresses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they decide to go with the name Crowded House. Uh, and they uh, and, and they come out with this uh, with this album, which, as we we're as we we're noting in our, our, our pre-show discussions, is is a pretty intentional break uh, from the split end sound. There's very little synth. Um, to the extent there is some synth, I think it's been probably dolloped on a little bit too much by their otherwise excellent producer uh, Mitchell Froome who might be kind of the, be the honorary fourth member of the band uh, but they come they come forward with a much more natural um, organic uh, poppy sound um, and they lead off um, of course don't dream it's over is the is the is, is the famous track from that but I want to start off talking about their uh, the opening track uh, is called mean to me uh, and there's a wonderful uh, there's a wonderful story behind Mean to Me. Uh, it, go, it, it goes back to the time where uh, Neil is touring New Zealand with his friend Dave Dobbin, uh, and and he he gets a le- his parents contact him, and his parents have gotten a letter from a woman in the United States who is a huge Split Ends fan, and has decided to I'm not sure fly it to or move to New Zealand um, to go and and meet Neil Finn. Uh, and they're on tour, and Neil has the flu, uh, and they're at a they're at a, a you know sh- dodgy pub uh, in uh, in the North Island of New Zealand, uh, and she comes up to him and talks about how important Split Ends has been in her life, um, how her parents are divorced, how her friends have committed suicide, uh, and if he doesn't talk to her, she's it's be so mean to me, and he wants nothing to do but to get out of there, uh, and he leaves, and he comes back a half hour later and basically finds her making out with a shady local poet. Um, <laughs> And and of course, this is the first song Crowded House puts uh, on their album, uh, narrating uh, this story, and and it's a wonderful song. Um, it's such a great opening. It's, <laughs> she came all the way from America, and just you know, she like, had a blind day with destiny, yeah. and the sound of Te Aomoto had a fa- fairly sacred ring. So Te Aomoto is the town in New Zealand where, where he was born, where right. they're from. And the thing is, like, it sounds mystical and exotic, but it's the equivalent of like Frederick, Maryland, or Poughkeepsie, New York. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a small agricultural city on the outskirts of a large city. But she comes with this vision. She's wearing a gold lame top to meet Neil Finn. And he wants nothing to do but get out of there and writes a song essentially making fun of her. Uh, and she eventually wrote him a letter uh, being very angry. And uh, the poet was baffled. He thought the, so- the th- song was saying he was being mean to her. Um, but it's a it's a wonderful song. Uh, and they and and, and, it, and the, so the record starts off um 
with, with, with a punch. She came all the way from America. She had a blind date with destiny. And the sound of Tiawa had a truly sacred ring. Now her parents are divorced. And her friends committed suicide. I Another song I want I want to flag, um, and 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 then I'll I'll, I'll pass over uh, to the original gangster Jeff and and Scott um, is and I know the song that Jeff also really likes a lot. It's called Now We're Getting Somewhere. Yes, uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's a wonderful song, and uh, there's a great story about this behind it too. It's got this great shuffle, um, and as great as good of musicians as they were, um, they were having a really hard time. Uh, nailing the shuffle uh, in in the studio in LA, so Mitchell Froome gently suggests, you know, maybe we can get a couple session musicians in. And Neil Finn is very offended because um, he understands himself to be an excellent musician. So they bring in um, Jerry Keltner and, J- and Jerry Chef, who had pl- who had just finished on Elvis Costello's uh, King, King of, of America. America. Yep, this is uh, the TCB band guys. I mean, this is like yeah. Are- they play with Elvis, the Beach Boys, John Lennon, and so Neil is pretty frosty about this. But then they come in and, and have a fantastic time. Uh, they learn how to play the shuffle, um, and so the, the the shuffle is great, but I think what what goes underscored here is is the vocal performance of Neil here is just so strong. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think of "Don't Dream It's Over," you think of this kind of sweet, wistful guy. Um, but I think the pairing of "Mean to Me" and "Now We're Getting Somewhere" complicates it. Like "Mean to Me" shows that he could be a bit of he could be a bit he could be a bit sharp uh, sometimes, uh, and then the kind of passionate, uh, almost like angry uh he's not angry but it sounds almost angry um uh, vocals uh and now we're getting somewhere is just it's just fantastic well it's it's not only that but the, the lyric i mean here's the thing about neil finn when we talk about why why neil finn is a great songwriter isn't just because the melodies and the hooks are like really solid and and memorable and fun it's because his lyrics are actually quite well observed too that song begins with a really memorable line which is that it, it never used to be that bad but neither was it great. <laughs> you know, somewhere, somewhere in the, in the middle. middle. <laughs> it was like, you know, content and much too safe. Right. So that's what you, know, you talk about sharpness. That's exactly what he's crying out for is it's like, you know, I, I don't want this sort of like bland, you know, vanilla kind of relationship. I, I want like, you know, the highs and the lows, the anger and the hatred and the love and the passion. You Lay know. me out with your heart. Now we're getting now somewhere. We're getting somewhere. Exactly. Never used to be that bad, but neither was it right. Somewhere in the middle there, content and much to say. 
And the, again, I just find it hilarious. If you listen to the song, and of course you're going to hear the song here, uh, it's a really simple shuffle group. This isn't some complex stuff. This isn't Prague, man. Uh, I just find it hilarious that, you know, that Hester had trouble getting the drums down on this. It's like not, it's not rocket science. But you know what? If, you, if, if you've been playing like, you know, you know, weird bleepy bloopy, you know, synth pop, post-punk stuff for like so many years that, you know, you've forgotten how to do like a simple 4-4 four, four shuffle that I guess I can understand why you need to get a pro in to handle it for you. Maybe, maybe they're psyching themselves out. <laughs> I think they probably were just psyching themselves out, but it's such a good song. Well, l- let me transition then to the song that everyone knows from this album, uh, one of maybe two, which is Don't Dream It's Over. The, the intro, the, the, those chords, just so so identifiable with this song. The uh, uh, you know the the organ break from from Mitchell Froom that he plays is just just hits you in the feelings every time. The story, uh, one of the stories, is that they, they they recorded "Don't Dream It's Over" the day after they did. Now we're getting somewhere, and so you had two members of the band being replaced by two members of uh, of the TCB band. And uh, later, Neil Finn would say, "I think that he thinks that's what lent some of the melancholy." to the song you had two guys who are, are starting this band and now all of a sudden maybe they're not starting this band maybe they're being replaced and so you you feel that mood hanging over this track completely uh pretty basic chord sequence but man this this sad melancholy groove with uh, perhaps two of the members thinking about their place in the band uh it, it's one of the most Sturdy tracks, I think, from this time in music, you know, 1986 or so. There's so much happening in so many different areas uh, of music. And, and this one just holds up so damn well. is that it doesn't age like you know there are so many things that were big in 1986 that you listen to now and you're like oh my god that is so quote unquote you know air quotes 80s but you listen to don't dream it's over and it it doesn't sound dated in the same way the production mm-hmm. is tasteful you know Mitchell Froom by the way you know as Jeff pointed out is you know, sort of the honorary fourth member of this band I I, I I listen to so many of these songs and I think well you know Elvis Costello could have sung this song or he would have really liked to have written this song so it's absolutely no surprise that who did Elvis Costello then go to work with as his producer other than Mitchell, Mitchell Froom, Froom. <laughs> Mitchell Froom he's like he's obviously was paying attention to this stuff but yeah like you know I sometimes ask myself like, well, why was this the big, you know, breakout single, the only thing that they're known for in the United States? 
But then I listened to that chorus and you know, hey now, hey now, don't dream it's over. And of course, it's just absolutely undeniable. It's a title hook. It is so perfect. And, you know, you almost you're almost reluctant to give the devil its due. Like I I joked with with <laughs> Scott and Jeff about this earlier. It's like you know, do I dare put this on my top five at the end of the show? I don't know if I will, but I'm tempted to because you know even though it is their most overplayed, it's it's sad. You know, people who are huge fans of, of Crowded House and of Neil Finn be like, God, there's so much more than this one one hit wonder crap. Uh, but it's a fantastic song. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, we were talking about this before. I feel different. You know, a lot of Fountains of Wayne fans feel frustrated. Stacy's mom. Stacy's right. mom, like, but, which is a fine song, but doesn't really isn't as good as the other stuff. But like, I think "Don't Dream It's Over." Yeah, sure, it's gotten tons of play, and it's what they're famous for. But it's such a good song. Like, mm-hmm. it's justifiably famous. So I love the opening chords. Apparently, it was. Um, it was a local New Zealand riff known as the Maori strum uh, that Neil incorporated in the beginning of the song, um, and then of course you have Mitchell Froom. You know the the, the, the song's kind of like and they're kind of playing around. He's like, "What? Well, how about this?" And he brings in the Hammond organ, right? And right. it's just transcendent. Um, and and I love the um, the ambiguity of the title, right? If if, if are, you, are you are you are you are you not supposed to dream that it's over because we're going to keep going, or don't dream. It's over, uh, and and that's and it kind of gets that kind of ambiguous melancholy of the song. So may, maybe they're saying "Don't dream it's over" because we're gonna keep going on, but you're not sure if he believes it, right? Um, so it's oh, it's perfect. And so you have the Hammond organ, and then the and then the I guess you can kind of call it a solo uh, afterwards. Um, yeah, that's that's the high point of the song for me. I mean, they're, they're, again, there are songs on this record that are sort of reveal layers to them the more you listen to them and there's there's the one other then maybe the last one that i personally want to discuss on this is a song called hole in the river mm-hmm. yeah which was interesting because i think it was actually a co-write with the guy who was the keyboardist from split ends who was not a member of crowded house uh, eddie rayner i think is his name um i i'm assuming that he wrote the music or at least participated in the writing of the music because the lyrics are just completely pure neil finn and that's what i like about them it sounds like it's a horrible it's a beautiful song but i f- feel like the way i scan the lyrics it's about like it's about it's about a, it's a, it's about, his aunt, it's about his aunt's suicide actually exactly yeah there's a hole in the river where my aunt lies she like you know, threw herself into the river and you know at the end you know that that last lyric that last verse was like there's a hole in the river where my auntie lies or where memory lies and you know from the land of the living to the air and the sky she was coming to see him but something changed her mind. Drove her down to the river, and there is no return. And it's it's a beautiful song, but boy, you know, you, you listen to the music, and then you don't scan the lyric, and you don't realize what a truly dark subject it is about. And uh, this is, I think, uh, and, then, and, then there's a, and then there's the weird Thomas the Tank Engine musical interview. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And this is what I mean. When you listen to the music and you don't scan the lyric, you may not realize that, like Finn, in a lot of these songs, is, is he is he is working on a much more interesting level than your standard profound your standard trait pop lyricist
Uh, in fact, I don't think really he ever. There are a couple, like you know, something so strong. I like, but it's kind of like a simple thing, like you know, love is something so strong it can carry us away. Good song, not a deep lyric, but on a song like Hole in the River, that is some weighty, weighty material, and I think it kind of like bolsters the second half of this album. Yeah. I, I like I Walk Away, which is the Split Ends track that they redid for uh, this debut album. Very thick bass groove to it. Hole in the River, Jeff just mentioned. And I'll, I'll stick up, I guess, for something so strong a bit. Not that Jeff was slamming it, but that's a really good song. Super tight. It's a uh, co-write with Mitchell Froome, who, who gets some credit on it. Just a super tight pop song. Uh, and, the, and those harmonies during that, that you know, I've been... Feeling so much older. That's a great part Frame of that song. Frame me and hang me on the wall. Yep, yeah, that's a fantastic part of that song. So I really dig that one too. Yeah, I'll stand up for something so strong too. Uh, it's I, I I do think the harmonies and the and and the and the instrumentals and the organs make it better than just a kind of little um, pop ditty. Fancy, yeah, I agree. Uh, and so I, I guess the only thing I'd want to add there, um, "Love You Till I Die," the day I die, seem remind that along with "I Walk Away" seems like the only kind of leftover split uh, split end song there. Love yeah. Love You Till the Day I Die sounds like it could be written by um, Tim Finn. Uh, you know, and that's that's why it's like I think. Not not because I don't like Tim Finn songs, but it's my least favorite song on the album because Me it too. sounds so so yep. so different from the rest of this yeah. material. And I guess I guess one thing, one other thing I'll mention: there's an album song that's not on the album. Uh, it was written with Nick Seymour and uh, never made it. A song called "Recurring Dream," which, uh, by the way, which was also the title of their greatest hits, as you pointed out at the beginning of the show, and amusingly enough, was the title of their greatest hits <laughs> without actually being included on exactly. the greatest hit. Because they they just didn't care, you know. They didn't care, but it's got this beautiful kind of guitar figure repeating over and over and over again in these soaring, upbeat lyrics, and and, and you, it almost feels like the transition uh, from uh, from Split End to Crowded House. Like the guitar feels a little bit metallic, but the lyrics are so warm, um, and the kind of embracive, kind of non angular melody uh, is uh, is there. And that was written with Nick Seymour, which so it unsurprisingly doesn't have. Uh, it's got a very good bass uh, going going along with it as well. So, uh, recurring dream is a is a is a wonderful non-album song. See my
so this brings us to the the as you know with with many a band the troubled sophomore release uh, <laughs> 1988's temple of low men now there are crowded house fanatics and yes this is a this is a genre that exists as i have found out and you know they're actually pretty amiable people because I think they're just so pleased to find someone else who wants to talk about Shadow House. <laughs> you're like, you know, I don't even mind if you disagree with me. I'm I'm just so thrilled that that somebody else recognizes that 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 Neil Finn is awesome. Um, th- this is Temple of Low Men. Uh, this is their follow up. Uh, two years later, uh, more like a, like a year and a half. Like they, they you know um, you know Crowded House the debut comes out. They tour it. <clears throat> it's very successful. It's a huge smash both in in Australasia but also in in England in the United Kingdom and of course they have the big hit single in America uh, so they take their time with their follow up and, and this one is is not nearly as poppy and in fact I would argue this is the, the album of theirs that has the least number of like immediately gripping like pop hooks mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. you know pop tracks um, I, I think you know put a gun to my head like, as Jeff said and I agree with Jeff uh, they didn't put out a bad album ever I don't even think that you could argue they put out a weak album ever. But if I had to say, well, which one is the one that I like the least? And boy, that is just such a, a mannered thing to say for a band as consistent as Crowded House. This is the one I think is the, the weakest of them. Uh, just because it, it, it feels like even like the nominal pop tracks like Into Temptation, which is a wonderful song, mm-hmm. uh, and When You Come, also good. Mm-hmm. Uh they are slower and more mannered and more thoughtful, and there's there's nothing with the same kind of immediacy as you hear on the debut album. This is sort of, uh, I don't know, Neil Finn in a ruminative mood. Uh, but of course, this is a fan favorite. Yeah, so I, so he they had a really hard time writing this. For a while, they're jokingly referred to it as mediocre follow-up album. Yeah, that was supposed to be the title, <laughs> mediocre follow-up. And there was like, and there was like a couple week period where he fired Nick Seymour from the band because he yeah, it was a great, he fired blaming him, him for he, his writer's block. Yeah, exactly. He fired he fired him because you're giving me writer's block, and then like two weeks he's like, later, I'm the bassist, he goes, man. <laughs> he's like, I'm, the, I'm not writing this song. Two weeks later, he goes back. He's like, all right, I'm being a dick. All right, come on, we join the band. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, really silly. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think I'm kind. Of, I, I think I'm with. I think I'm with Jeff. I, I, I like this album a lot. There's a lot of songs I like on this album. Um, I think it's maybe least strong. Uh, maybe it's like world's shortest giant uh, among among the catalog. Um, I would. I would say. I mean, I, I think it's telling. Um, I'm not sure if they wanted to be su- how much they wanted to be successful because Better Be Home Soon was supposed to be the hit single, um, which is a beautiful song. Uh, it. Uh, it, it it's it's kind of heartbreaking simplicity, but then you have the. But the it's Mitchell, not a single. I know it's not a single. You have the Mitchell Froom organs at the back. It's a beautiful song, um, and they put it on the last track of the album, um, and it's a good closer for an album. Like an al- you you know a great album, the last track won't be the throwaway. It'll be a great closer, um, and it's a beautiful song. It's a heartbreaking song, um, but it's not a hit single, and it, and, the, and this album didn't have a single uh, or a hit single.
I love Better Be Home Soon. I think um, I think Into Temptation. Uh, so I was in law school in my dorm. I'm I'm playing the recurring dream on my studio, and a a Belgian LLM walks by, and he hears. He's like, Ah, oh, Into Temptation. I, I was once asked to play the piano that play that song on piano at a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a song for a wedding. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, which was really bizarre because it's a, it's actually it's an amazing psychological portrait of mm-hmm. of 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 let's of, of sinning, right? So like, I think Neil Finn's a lapsed Catholic, um, uh, but he's able to operate uh, in in that genre and. He he paints kind of it's it's about it's basically about cheating uh, on on your significant other and I, I'd imagine Sharon Finn must have been really freaked out by this song. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, chorus, that chorus, I mean, again, just uh, such a brilliant lyric, you know, into temptation, and then the way I love these lines, knowing full well that the earth will mm-hmm. rebel, into temptation, safe in the wide open arms of hell. That is so uh, self lacerating. But even like the small stuff, like a muddle of nervous words will never amount to betrayal. So you kind of like you mumble and kind of go along with it. You're not you're not embracing the wrongness. You're not kind of like defiantly standing up. You're just kind exactly. of yeah. sloughing into it, and you're just kind of slouching towards uh, uh, and and, uh, and, and slouching feeling... towards Gamora. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was gonna no Bork references here. Um, <laughs> like, but like the guilty get no sleep in the, in the yes. last cold yeah. hours of yeah. morning, and, and so it's. It's um, it's it's not it's not you know it's not kind of this glorification of rebellion. It's not some sort of trite plaster plaster saint you know kind of you know slashing himself. But it's 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 an amazing psychological portrait of a person who who can't resist um, but is suffering uh, because of it. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. Never amount to betrayal Sentence is all my own And the price is to watch it fail As I turn to go You looked at me for half a second With an open invitation For me to go into temptation Knowing too well the earth will rebel Into temptation Safe in the wide open arms of hell It reminds me of those great songs on In Rainbows by Radiohead. It's my favorite Radiohead album, uh, Nude and House of Cards. You know, nudes, don't get any big ideas. It's not going to happen. You're going to go to hell for what your dirty mind is thinking. And then on House of Cards, you know, you know, it's like forget about your House of Cards and I will mine and we'll fall off the table and get swept under. The same sentiment. And, boy, you know, you just kind of imagine Tom York was probably a crowded house fan. Too. <laughs> like, there's a lot of that kind of similar vibe, and especially when he goes for ballad type music uh, but yeah I, I, I'm actually kind of uh, partial to songs that deal with these sorts of difficult subjects mm-hmm. but do it do it in a way that, you know that, that kind of reckons with the self-loathing mm-hmm. and the self-accusation that goes along with uh, you know making mistakes and you know unforgivable mistakes so yeah I, I, I think In Temptation is a beautiful song but again you know, a song that 
about that subject and at that pace. They're not going to start the charts. That's not going to rocket up to the KC's top forty. It's not. It's okay. Okay. Like, don't dream. It's over. That's the slow-paced song, right? But it's a prom song. Everyone's going to dance to it at the end of the night. No one's going to dance to "Into Temptation." It's big in Belgian weddings, apparently. Big in Belgian weddings. Yeah, I guess. You know, maybe we have to, you know, you know, interrogate what Belgian marital relationships are like. Yeah. Uh, I guess um oh Scott uh, give, let, let's let's yield to you you haven't had a chance to say anything about this yet. I agree Into Temptations my favorite song on the album. I think it's one of their their very best. It's it's just a it's stunningly good 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 song. Uh, I also agree with your overall takes on this which is I guess I would phrase it that I I just expect more from it than it delivers. Um not not just you know the the band itself and it's their second album after a big success, but you know Mitchell Froom produced and Chad Blake recorded and Bob Clearmountain mixed. Like, there's a lot of ingredients here that should work a little better than it actually does in the end. Um, yeah. Jeff mentioned kind of a labored writing recording process. Uh, I was reading a, a piece about that. Uh, uh, there's, I think, a Rolling Stone person in studio with them, and yeah, I mean. Neil Finn was really uptight about how things sounded and getting things right and re-recording things a dozen times to make sure it was where they wanted it to be. And so I wonder if it just sounds a little stiff at times because of that. Now, that's not to say there's not good songs here. It's not to say it's not a really good album because it is. I think Jeff had mentioned When You Come uh, a little bit earlier on. That That's a really fantastic song. Some really emotive vocals. Uh, from from Neil on it, just uh, a big chorus. And uh, I, I think I think one of the commenters uh, on Twitter said that like you just have to appreciate any song that's a, a pop single that includes the the word cumulonimbus, <laughs> like a cumulonimbus coming in from a distance. Now that's a rhyme, my friend. From a distance, burning and exploding, burning and exploding. I'm so When you come, when you come, come the ground, come the ground. With Uh, yeah, <laughs> lo- love this life um, is is a good track. Um, I, I imagine Jeff has some thoughts on Sister Madly because Richard Thompson plays Richard, guitar on it. Oh, yo, my God, he totally um, stole my thunder. But, but again, another another example. Like I just, you know, Richard Thompson's on here and all these people, and I just I just wish it were a little more than it than it is. I think that's where I eventually come down on this album, and I think two very. Um, unusual uh, tracks to lead off an album. I mean, I feel possessed and, and kill. I. I'm not sure those are tracks that are really going to grab someone by the ear and, and bring like them along for a much. ride. Yeah, I, I think the chorus and I feel possessed is is classic Neil Finn. Um, I, I I'm not sure I like the opening part, but like the the chorus is is fantastic. Kill I. I could take or leave. Um, I think uh, 
I think it's an inferior version of In My Command, which comes two right. albums from now here. Right. Uh, but I, yeah. I, I love the I love the I love the soaring chorus and I feel possessed. Um, I think In the Lowlands is uh, is is underrated. Okay, was, uh, was it was it Scott who who pointed out that 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 Finn has this this tendency to just hide all these really great yes. songs? I hadn't mentioned that on the show yet, yeah. but uh, but I, yeah, via email. And I was going to get to that because I think it's not just here, but in future albums too. There are so many great little nuggets uh little songs that are like eighth track tenth track way on the back end of some of these albums is some of the very best stuff from neil finn Here's the thing. I think In the Lowlands is great. I was just talking about I think this is the weakest of the Crowded House albums. Well, it should tell you how good I think this band actually is, all things considered, because, yeah, In the Lowlands is fantastic. I've already told you about Better Be Home Soon, uh, Into Temptation, you know, When You Come. Uh, one I really want to focus on, I think, is a brilliant lyric and maybe close to my favorite song on the album is Mansion in the Slums, which is First of all, yeah, the, the the chorus, the hook, the riff is great, but the, it's the lyric that gets me every time because it is a an actual progression. He starts off saying like you know the way like you know some proud uh, you know uh, principled person would say like I'd rather be living in a cave in the hills than have a mansion in the slums because you know like success only lasts you half an hour or less, but it loves you when it comes. And then by by the end of the song, and this is where I actually laughed listening to it. He actually. He changes it. He says, "Like, well, I, I, I'd much rather have a caravan in the hills. Wait, no, <laughs> I'd much rather have a mansion in the hills than a mansion in the slums." And he actually says, "He says, yeah, I'd much rather." What I mean is, would you mind if I had it all? <laughs> I'll take it when it comes. <laughs> like he, he, he's acknowledging that, like, yes, okay, everybody makes these like you know proud stands of principle, but at the end of the day, come on, who doesn't want to live in like you know Calabasas, California, or five, Malibu? Five, three, three, three chorus, three verses later, he's Tommy Lee with a Starbucks in his own mansion. Right? <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. It is such a smart song, and you know, you start off thinking like, oh, it's just. Like one of these sort of you know vaguely socially aware protest songs, but by the end of it, he's he's savagely undercutting his own pretensions. It is so impressive. Would you mind if I had it all? I'll take it when it comes. You laugh at yourself while you're bleeding 
That, again, brings us to the third Crowded House album. And, of course, this is the funny part. Is it a Crowded House album? Is it a reunion of split ends? Is it something else entirely? Is it a Neil and Tim Finn solo album? Is is it a Finn Brothers album or is it a Crowded House album? It's it's all of these things and more. It's Woodface from 1991. And this is, I think, the, you know, the the standard Crowded House uh, maniac, punter, will say that this is their greatest album. I actually, uh, when I was exploring this group, thought for a long time that it was their best album. I have moved off of that opinion simply for the reason that I think the second half of it doesn't hold up to the greatness of the first half of it. Uh, but this is the one that uh, serious fans of the band absolutely adore, and I will say that first half of this album is nearly peerless uh the only problem with it is that i think it ends on a weak note uh but this is the one where uh he he gets his brother back in the band i think that the story goes is that he was gonna do like a finn brothers sort of like a separate collaboration you know Mm -hmm. the, the the sort of the genesis of temple of low men had been kind of you know troubled and so he was like well you know maybe it's time for me to do something different um uh then he you know records he's doing two things on two sides he's recording with the band and then he's recording with his brother and then he says well why not bring these two great flavors together and so what you get is an album that is both you know the finn brothers stuff and crowded house as well and uh this is in fact there was like like seven to nine outtakes from this album that were recorded before he brought Tim back into the band. I think Tim joked, like, uh, Neil asked him, hey, can we can we use these <laughs> yeah. songs on the Crowded House album? And Tim was like, yeah, sure, as long as you make me a member of the band. And he was kidding. And Neil was like, all right, fine, you're a member of the band. And, and Tim was like, Now Whoa. you're joining my band. <laughs> now you're joining, exactly. Now, now I'm not joining your band, you're joining my band. And he did, and he did. You know, He didn't last through the tour, but it's he did. Good. It's a good year he or too, so. He had too much pride to join his younger brother's band for that long, right? But uh, you know, this is Woodface, which is a ridiculous name. Jeff, it, what's it, what's it, it mean? The, the, the you album were cover us. is literally like a wooden mask, and it looks like yeah. So, so, so when I when I like in my in my ignorance, I was like, oh, Woodface. I wonder if this is sort of like Maori mask or something like that. You know, because they're from New Zealand. No, it's apparently French slang for being hungover. Uh, so, <laughs> so, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah. So I, I guess the first song I want to talk about here, uh, and this is this is back to Mitchell Froome. Um, and this is Fall at Your Feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh my God! Okay, yeah, yeah. One of one of my. Oh uh, yeah, this is such a good song. Uh, so there, there's there's so apparently Neil was playing with two songs um, that were that had like really good parts to it, um, but they, he just couldn't finish them. And Mitchell is apparently like, well, why don't we just combine this into one song, right? So I think I think you had the chorus of one song uh, and the verses of another. Kind of fixed together. I think Nick Seymour referred to it as like a jigsaw puzzle. So Mitchell from was like, we can fit these two things together. This is like the Reese's peanut butter cup thing. <laughs> um, and so you have, and, and there's three. There's three components of this song. There's the kind of the op, uh, the kind of kind of opening chorus with the kind of like the kind of like the, the with the groove to it, and then you have the soaring kind of the kind of classic Neil Finn soaring chorus, uh, and then there's the middle eighth, um, the, the middle eight where he. Um, where he and Tim uh, are, are harmonizing together, uh, which is just uh, fantastic. Um, so it's 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 a it's a perfect song. I mean, the chorus on on "Fall at Your Feet." Uh, there are two songs on this record that I just have again these these giant oceanically 
um, memorable chorus is This and Weather With You. Mm-hmm. I, I think those songs are just so, so good. But, you know, when he is, whenever I fall at your feet, um, you let your tears rain down on me. It is, uh, it, it's, it's easy listening music. This is not a heavy song. You know, you, we'll, we'll play the clip here and you would be like, well, yeah, that's a nice, nice, easy groove. That doesn't seem very challenging. No, it is such a subtly written melody. It is so well done. Uh, that's the kind of song that you play it once and, and uh, yep, you're going to go to sleep and you're going to be thinking of that song in your head. You're going to wake up in the morning and that song will be in your head. It is that memorable. I'm really close tonight and I feel like I'm moving inside her Lying in the dark And I think that I'm beginning to know her Let it go I'll be there when you call And whenever I I guess for me, I'll just you know take the reins here and yeah. also talk about weather with you, which I just think is uh, could possibly be their best pop single. Um, the 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 chorus on that song, you know, everywhere you go, you always take the weather with you, is uh, again uh, I envy anybody who is capable of writing a hook like that. I, I mean, I have to Everywhere disagree. Where you go. It's so good. I, I think the best part of that song is when, when, he, when he, he's got the things ain't cooking in my kitchen. kitchen. Harmony part, part is, oh, that, that part strikes me as transcendent. Mm. Oh, that's fantastic. Sorry, go on. But, you know, the thing about Weather With You is also, you know, one of the funny things that I enjoy about Crowded House is that they never fully escape or, or try to escape from their roots uh, as, you know, a New Zealand or Australian band. Like at the end of that song, you have those flutes. I don't know what it is. It's like a pan flute or do <laughs> or whatever it is. But it, it, it's a very down under sound, just sort of quietly piping its way over the fade out of that song. Gives it a bit of a unique flavor. Um, and even the chorus in its uh, in its own way, it has sort of this kind of a mass communal sing along kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it just feels qualitatively different from like a, a nineteen ninety one American pop hook <laughs> in a way that I find really really bracing. Things ain't cooking in my kitchen. Strange affliction wash Oh, 
true blizzard Or do I sing like a bird released Everywhere you go Scott? I think this, I think I would say this is their best album, and I, I, I sympathize with with Jeff's critique that it's not as strong toward the very end, but I, I think maybe each of these next three albums probably have a few more songs than needed, so I, I can't take too many points off for that here. You guys already talked about Fall At Your Feet, which is my favorite song on the album, and one of my favorites uh, in, in, in the entire band's discography that that chorus is so freaking good as jeff said it's going to be in your brain now and tomorrow and the next day and sometime overnight i just have to stop and talk about these harmonies between tim and neil finn that that really make this album so special and it might be the differentiator for me uh between some of the other great ones that that we'll talk about in in a moment and woodface Uh, i i think that melding that intertwining of Neil Finn and Tim Finn's voices on these songs really give it a, a singular quality in in their discography. Uh, and being brothers, there's there's something there that even even more so than than two unrelated singers. I think there's just a, an incredible bond and incredible sound when those voices mix. Uh, it's only natural is another one of my favorite ones on this album. Shimmering, kind of a, a country twang, and again where those vocal harmonies just really, really stand out. Um, Four Seasons in One Day is The harmony fantastic. and the chorus for that is fantastic. Yes, yes, yes absolutely. Uh, the, the Four Seasons kind of standing in for, for life changes, and uh, that, that one's got a very, I, w- I would think, a very Lennon, John Lennon kind of influence mm-hmm. uh, on Four Seasons in One Day. I will risk my neck again, again You can take me where you will up the creek and through the mill Like all the things you can explain Four seasons in one day Blood dries up Like rain, like rain Fills my cup Uh, she goes on later in the album. It's just a pretty, pretty song um, uh, about losing a loved one. In this case, uh, th- their mother and, and remembering their mom. Um, man, those harmonies on "She Goes On" are also just totally killer. Um, so, the, I mean, I, I think each of these songs are um, are just different enough to sort of stand out on their own. It, it, it kind of maintains the 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 feel of being a, a mellow album especially toward the the back half the back third um but man i i think the first half is so strong and, and by the way the first song of this album chocolate cake was that was the single in america and i know there are a lot of crowded house fans that don't like that it was the single that, that perhaps I think, think it kind of killed the album my, my problem with chocolate cake is that it, it seems to 
uh, follow that Anglospheric trend where they only caught on to the idea of making fun of televangelists <laughs> long after the rest of America did. Yeah. So, like, you know, I think 1991, you know, was it Genesis was doing Jesus, He Knows yes, Me? Yes, yes. And everybody mocked, you know, Phil Collins for like, oh, yeah, yeah that's a we all know this. edge thing. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> Tammy Baker's not great. How about that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Who, knew, who knew that Tammy Faye Baker was, like, you know, problematic, right? You know, and it's like, well, it's just like, you know, like, it's, it, you know, as, you know, on the beach reference, right? Like, like the news maybe maybe takes like you know a, two years to sort of travel its way down to Australia and New Zealand <laughs> so beyond the fact that the references aren't particularly like you know fresh at the time yeah, and, and when, when, I was in, dated. when I was in New Zealand there was a knockoff for, um, uh, for uh, called Jackson's Wharf uh, which is a knockoff of um, what was that? Uh, Dawson's Creek. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so, there's, so I think chocolate cake kind of the Jackson's Wharf of uh, of anti-American protests. <laughs> it's, it's not even that anti. I mean, it's, it's like so mild protest. Yeah, but it's it, it again. You, you can't deny the actual craft of the song. Right. You know, like I actually do like the line where it's like, what is it? I saw Elvis Presley walking out of Seven Eleven, and then like some fat lady gave birth to a baby, and then bowl of 257 (laughs) of course like you know to me i'm just like america that is us isn't it world weekly news rocking it every day yeah (laughs) yeah rocking in the free world my friend exactly i saw elvis presley walk out of the 7-eleven and a woman gave birth to a baby and then bowl 257 Excess of fat on your American bones Will cushion the impact as you sink like a star Can I have another piece of chocolate cake? Damn it, Baker, damn it, Baker Can I buy another cheaper castle, babe? One song on this album that I kind of feel is subpar, which is uh, I've never liked All I Ask yes, at all. Agree. I think it's, yep. it's it's kind of like a string-laden ballad that I don't know. It tries too hard and it doesn't. Come I, yeah, off. I, I think Tim was in a, in like a real lounge phase at the time, yeah, uh, right. and he insisted like we're gonna go with this, and they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> it, it doesn't work. But like you know, I was talking with with Scott about this. Like the fame is that's a fun song, and oh, it, yes. it, it totally feels like. It, for those who don't know, like one of the other bands that we, we talked with, with Jeff about joining us to do was Squeeze. It's another group that he's a big fan of, and I can completely understand why he likes both Crowded House and Squeeze because <laughs> I've always thought of Neil Finn as sort of like an antipodal, uh, you know, Glenn Tilbrook. The way he mm-hmm. sings that song, it feels like it, it was sort of like the down under inversion of, uh, you know, pulling muscles from the shell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think Scott disagrees, and he thinks it sounds more like yeah, another, nail. another nail for my heart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's the same basic idea. It's very argy bargy Squeeze. I mean, we, era, both, we both caught it. I mean, you had emailed, and I already made that note in my notes. I'm like, man, this sounds a lot like Squeeze. Now the rest of us are living in a daze. Keep thinking about the choice to be made. Here 
does. He he sounds he sounds a lot like Tilbrook vocally on that song. And there's just one other song I'll point out here. I, think I love "There Goes God." Uh, you know, which is you know again, uh, you know, hey, don't look now. There goes God in his sexy pants and his sausage dog, which is like you know his his little his little dachshund. Uh, and, you know, and obviously you know this is his lapsed Catholic agony going yeah. on here, right? But it's it, it, just a great a great track, and you know, delivered with you know. Uh, a dripping sarcasm that is otherwise usually you know absent from the crowd of house cattle There's a number of songs that were just left off that uh, that album. I think you could probably I mean, tons of them. They're all on Afterglow, right? They're all, yeah, they're on Afterglow. And you, if you could sub out the back half or, or some of the back tracks of of Woodface, uh, "I Love You, Dawn" is a beautiful little um, beautiful little song. Uh, and there's a the bizarrely named song, "My Legs Are Gone," uh, <laughs> which, which is quite good. Um, so I, I think some of the songs that they were originally kind of planning to be on the crowded house album that got shuttled off um were were quite good um and so i think this is a very fertile very fertile period for them um so sh- should we move on to yeah. uh together alone yeah yeah this, this is the the f- uh, final album for crowded house uh well final pre pre-reunion album yeah. it was final and then it wasn't suddenly final after all yeah Right. Yeah. So this is this is 1993. This is Together Alone. This is uh, the one that actually has come around a lot for me. I originally thought this was the weakest of their albums, and boy, man, the more I listen to it, the more I really like it. Um, I'm gonna just say that that the strange thing uh, to say is that my favorite song of it is is the last song. Yes. I think it probably is far from a typical crowded house song as they ever got because it's it, it has a very strong sort of Maori feel. It, 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 again, it leans very very much into their heritage, you know, and their roots. I think I think the story I, I read, you know, I do my research. Like they recorded on like a beach in, in New Zealand. Karakari Beach. Karakari Beach. Right. And you know, like, you know, they had like, you know, a Maori chorus there and like, you know, Maori drummers and Cook uh, Island drummers, I believe. Cook Island drummers. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. So yeah, got you. Know, God forbid I should get that little detail wrong, right? But it, it's it's wonderful, and it, and it, it's not a pop smash. It's not a single, but it's just a beautiful chorale song. And I really do love the choral, like you know, you know the, the uh, you know the uh, the Maori chorus, and also the drumming. Which mm-hmm. I believe, you know, uh, you know, Hester didn't play on, obviously, but he conducted the drummer and he 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 made, you know, he gave them the arrangement to play.
it, it, it's a really wonderful end to an album that usually kind of gets treated as the junior partner in that original four album run but uh i've really come to love a lot you know and i could say a lot about other songs like pineapple head and locked out but i'm gonna let you guys go for there first yeah i i think i think this um uh, to the extent, I don't know what the conventional wisdom among crowded house fans are, but I knew I, I know among some of the critics, this is kind of treated as the kind of the weak sister. But uh, I think this is a, this is a wonderful album. Uh, I mean, the story of its recording is pretty fun. Um, this is the only one they actually recorded in New Zealand. Um, they go to Karikari Beach, um, pretty remote area in uh, in on the North Island of New Zealand, uh, and they bring in Martin Glover to produce them, who at that time is going under the name Youth. Uh, he was an English <laughs> record producer. Uh, he was the basis of Killing Joke and a stoner, basically. So they bring this British stoner uh, to the to the wilds of, um, of 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 rural kind of beachside New Zealand. Um, I, and I just want to point out, Jeff, that that if you know anything about Killing Joke's music, the idea of bringing a member of the band Killing Joke in to produce a band like Crowded House is, you know. You know, facially bizarre. You know, yes, I think they're like, we need to mix it up a bit. Let's bring in this youth guy. So they bring this like, like long-haired stoner guy. It's not only like that, but like Killing Joke is like intense, like grindcore music. Like, exactly, <laughs> really strange stuff. And, and, but he was at a very mellow phase. But I think he kind of like he and his buddy came and like they just didn't know what to do. Like they're sitting like in the beach by the beach in the woods. Um, they're they're staying at a house that uh, one of Neil Finn's friends. Uh, and they're just recording, and there's like very little around, and these guys don't know what to do, so they just like the the, the producer doesn't know what to do, so he just kind of like hangs out and smokes a lot of weed, <laughs> um, and, uh, and 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 so I think they're going for kind of a more psychedelic sound, um, which I yeah. think with the the mixing afterwards filtered out a lot of it. Um, they went they they went to. Um, Clearwater um, uh, to to do to do the final mix, and it took a lot of the weirdness out. Uh, and I know some people were disappointed at that, but I listened to some of the kind of the pre mix stuff, and I think it was actually better uh, for filtering some of it out. I think I think uh, Martin Glover or Youth turned out to be a bit of a disappointment. Um, but they're but they're kind of hanging out on the beach, hanging out in the woods, um, you know, having dinner, having late dinners together, and then going back to the house and just recording into the uh, into the early morning. Um, and I think, I think it's a wonderful, and, and so the, the story about together alone, I think it's a, uh, so they, they're, they're playing in kind of a small town, small rural town, and they're worried about bothering the neighbors and they know they're going to have the, uh, a Maori choir come in. Uh, they know they're going to have all these Cook Island drummers come in and they're worried about the neighbors complaining about the noise. So they basically just turn it into a big event. Uh, and you know, Paul's conducting the drums and, uh, Neil's helping conduct the choir and they invite a whole bunch of neighbors to come and watch, uh, and have to have, and to have a party and a barbecue afterwards, and I think the cheering you hear at the end uh, of "Together Alone" is from as the locals from Carry Carry saying like, "Hey, this is this is really great." Also, <laughs> let's eat. Yeah. Yeah, let's eat exactly. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's I think it's a wonderful album. I think um, so. I think the stretch uh, from Pineapple Head uh, to Distant Sun is nearly perfect uh, i think catherine wheels is a, is a pretty good song mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um um and earlier on i think carrie carrie kind of sets the mood well it's kind of this dreamy you can imagine kind of a verdant uh new zealand rainforest with the waves crashing kind of thing atmospheric um i think in my command is 
is a very cool song. And I know, yes. the, I know the guys from Crowded House get tired of being compared to the Beatles. Um, <laughs> but they're, hey, there's three of us. Oh, he, uh, he writes like McCartney. Yeah, oh, but, 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 but In My Command has Lennon on the verse and McCartney on the chorus. Right. Uh, and it's, 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 a, it's a great combination. I love Nails in My Feet, mm-hmm. uh, the soaring chorus and Nails in My Feet. And I think people, because he's a lapsed Catholic, like, think of it as a crucifix, crucifixion image. But apparently there is, um, I've been reading this somewhere, there are shoes that you can put on your feet with nails on them to help aerate your soil. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what he was talking about, which I think is really funny. Um, but I think uh, but I, I think Pineapple Head uh, is classic. I, um, I started learning... Poorly uh, guitar between uh, law school, between college and law school, in part so I could learn how to play Pineapple Head and Distant Sun, uh, and the and and the ascending chorus in uh, harmonies on, on Pineapple Head um, are just are just fantastic, um, and then uh, Distant Sun uh, again. This is another example of. Neil Finn just nailing down the middle eight. You have you have a you know you, be- you have a beautiful verse, you beautiful chorus, and then you have the pound like I'm lying on the table, washed out in a flood, like a Christian fearing a vengeance from above. I can't pretend to know what you want, but I offer love, which sounds when I say it, it sounds like so sappy, but, um, it works. but it's but it's but it's really vulnerable yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and and beautiful. Tell me all the things you would change. I don't pretend to know what you want When you come around and spin my talk Time and again, time and again No fire where I lit my spark I am not afraid of the dark Where your words devour my heart And put me to shame, put me to shame And, and and you guys, I, I don't want to like take all you can repeat songs we're talking about, but um, Private Universe um, is is beautiful. I, I've depending which day you ask me, I don't know how I feel about the Cook Island drums at the end, whether it's too strong or trying too hard to be world music. And it's not like kind of it's not kind of 
Uh, I mean, they're they're from New Zealand, so it's that weird for them to be kind of adopting the the Pacific stuff. I'm not sure if it's too much, uh, but there's a there's an alternate 1999 remix that's just the the guitars on Private Universe, uh, which is really wonderful. And uh, one little kind of factoid: um, when when Neil Finn was a little kid, he used to like to sit why high up on his apple tree uh and dream and so he's kind of talking about and this song this i mean this song is 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 a kind of love song it's you know when you're in love with someone especially early on it's like the, the two of you are the entirety of the world um and but, but there's also something about having a private space uh where the where the world disappears um, um it's 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 beautiful Context. I mean, we mentioned previously they never really had Crowded House. Never had another big hit or even minor hit. I don't think in in the no. U.S. But Woodface was massive in the U.K. and they, of course, already were very big and stayed very big in Australia and New Zealand. So there, there was a, a base of, of Crowded House support, which is to say that they sort of entered together alone on a, on a winning streak. Um, which is one of the reasons I think they they had youth uh, produce is they they kind of had their choice right i mean mm-hmm. they, they could choose from who they wanted to produce they could afford it label would pay for it um and i, I think it was a good decision um each of these songs is, is sort of built sonically to stand alone to to be a part if needed um and, and i like some of the choices that are that are made uh on the production end of things there's also a, this undercurrent of a bit more uh, sort of angular cutting electric guitar in places uh, Jeff mentioned both In My Command and Nails on My Feet, and both those tunes have this this more sort of cutting electric guitar sound, which works pretty well. This is also 1993, and so there are occasional moments where you have that more muddy, grungy sound, like on Black and White Boy. I, I don't mm-hmm. think it works quite so well on Black and White Boy, but in other places, the, the, the kind of different use of the guitar tones, I think, work very well. Uh, Jeff mentioned this, but yes, that stretch... I would say there's there's three songs: Private Universe, Walking on on uh, on the Spot, and Distant mm-hmm. Sun, which is just a really tremendous stretch. Again, on the back half of the album, Private Universe, where they're kind of playing with the, the drum patterns and the tribal beats. I, I like that quite a bit. Distant Sun has just a just a gorgeous gorgeous melody, uh, and Jeff already mentioned some of the lyrics there. I like Locked Out quite a bit here. Yep. Which is built on this very sturdy, loud rhythm structure, and again has this more angular, biting guitar solo to it. Um, so I, I think on the whole, it's a it's a very well done album, and despite 
that fact it would be their their last in the current formation. Tim Finn had left on a tour of the last album, so he was gone. Uh, Mark Hart is now a full band member, so he's he's on the album. But I guess on this tour, Hester would would quit, and and that essentially would would bring an end to this first you know first uh, uh, era of the band. Well, yeah, yeah, Tim Finn had left on the tour, but he he did contribute one song at least as a co-songwriter, and that's Catherine Wheels, which mm-hmm. is one of my favorites on this album too. Uh, you know, one of the things that you know we've said is that like you know Neil has a tendency to stow away some great songs on the back halves of the of these albums, but I also think that he has a tendency to stow away great music on the back halves of his songs, mm-hmm. which is this interesting thing where you know he'll have a verse, chorus, verse, and then there's like this sort of subsequent you know post. Uh, um, melodic development where the 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 band plays and then they, they, they maybe it's just like a split ends inheritance where mm-hmm. they do they're just like working on an instrumental groove um and you hear a lot of that on this album um but one of the things i love about catherine wheels is how dark it is i don't think a lot of people really understand the reference to what a catherine wheel is i think maybe they think of it as that album that david byrne did as a solo actor you know and like oh that's just some sort of erudite kind of a reference catherine wheel was like a very uh, very bizarre medieval torture device uh it's named the catherine wheel because it was saint catherine was apparently broken on the wheel if you've ever heard that phrase they literally took like a giant wagon wheel and they had like you know like a hefty strong man lift it up and smash your legs with it It'd break your bones and break every part of your body uh as a way to torture you brutally until you die horrible thought right uh but of course <clears throat> what is the lyric of catherine wheels it is nothing more than you know you know him sink- sinking you know something similar to that you know like you know you know He's talking about how you know she's got her Catherine wheels on, always the first to say gone. You know, you know, you're being, you know, what, what regarded by some as a slave. You know, it, it bruises come up dark. There's all these images about like a, a kind of a torturous relationship, where um, you know, you know, you're being uh, sort of abused or rubbed through the ringer by your partner. She's gone, vanished in the night, broke off the lock. Of life, he woke, tore the covers back, found he was empty inside. So they were told when the moon would rise, the best time to leave with your soul. She's gone up towards the lights. Watching her whole life unfold oh. Bruises come up dark And of course the song itself I think lives up to the lyrics And uh, I assume on all of these songs that the the lyrics are usually Neil's on this one. You know, I'm not enough of an expert to know exactly what it was that Tim contributed to it. You know, maybe somebody who knows more will, you know, go well actually me on Twitter after <laughs> they've heard the podcast. But I think it's a great song. Um, I, I just think that there's there's uh, this is there this is kind of what I think Temple of Low Men has the reputation for being, but isn't in my mind which is their subtle album that grows on you over time doesn't have all the immediate pop hooks um but they're both great albums uh but this of course is the end uh 
was, at least we thought it was, the end of Crowded House. They break up after this. But, you know, this is, uh, you know, an Aussie New Zealand band. Uh, You know, they they, they aren't the kinds of people that have, you know, incredibly acrimonious breakups like the Fogarty brothers or, you know, (laughs) you know, the Black Crows until they decide that the money is too good. Uh, uh, So, like, they actually do a farewell concert. And uh, this is, I think, maybe the largest or close to the largest concert since the Beatles, at least in Australia, uh, like 250,000 people show up to their Sydney final. Harbor. It's like yeah, 10% of Harbor. the population, isn't it? It's <laughs> nuts, it's ridiculous, nuts. right? You know, 250,000 people. That's a lot of people. And, uh, they actually finally this is 1996 they, they do it for like i think it's charity or something like mm-hmm. that and you know they've already broken up they did already announced their breakup a while ago but they're like hey you know what let's go out on a, on a high note and they finally ended up releasing it on a you know a, a farewell to life is that is that the name of the album farewell to the world farewell to the world right and, and i gotta say you know uh, jeff gave me the heads up he's like you know crowd house actually pretty good live band and i have to agree this stuff comes off pretty well i don't want to spend too much time on it because you know ultimately it is it is just a live album and it's not like the live of leads of live albums but <laughs> it's hugely entertaining stuff i have to say yeah uh, I, I think you know this this can't be conveyed on a podcast uh but if you were to go on youtube <clears throat> and watch the um watch the watch the, the their last song on that on oh, that set is of course gracious. dream it's over yes uh, and it's a great version of it um mm-hmm. not just not just having the crowd sing to them but like the, the musical variations, but if you watch um, if you watch Paul Hester the drummer uh, during the song, uh, it's clear that he's crying, uh, and it's 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 really sad uh, and and really beautiful, um, and uh, it's it, it's quite powerful, especially if if you know the uh, you know the, the later chapters and Paul what, what later chapters in Paul and Paul Hester's life. We might as well just, you know, say it, that that he, uh, you know, in 2005, you know, he committed suicide. He, he'd been battling depression for a very long time. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's funny because, you know, after the band reunited, it, it, they basically, you know, you know, every, everything they've done since then has sort of kind of been a sort of a spiritual tribute to him. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just a real shame. Yeah, he um, is... It, if, if among the three, I guess you know. Um, so Neil was the kind of quiet, stay-at-home, you know, good husband, drinking tea, writing songs. Um, 
Nick Seymour was the artist who would you know be able to network with people. He designed all their album covers. Yeah, he, yeah. I think he may, he may have designed their their mariachi costumes uh, that they, <laughs> for the original album. And this it feels is like kind of, he did. Yeah. And this is a kind of a continuation of the split ends thing, where like they would have an like the whole there there'd be a costume, there'd be an album cover, there'd be a whole big production thing. Uh, whereas Paul was kind of the goofy guy. If you if you watch some of the um, there's there's a I recommend looking for it on YouTube. There's two. They went on the Joan Rivers show twice uh, on their first album, and you get to you actually see them saluting Dame Edna uh, to the song "Throw Your Arms Around Me" by Hunters and Collectors, and it's really funny. But um, Paul was the kind of the jester. Um, he was the funny, goofy guy, um, but which kind of masked a um, a, a real struggle, a uh, real struggle with sadness. Um, and so after after the band broke up, he started a band. He called it Largest Living Things. Um, he was a he had a side. He was a character. He had occasionally make appearances on the Wiggles uh, as a character, Paul the Cook. Um, but in the in the end, he ended up hanging himself in a park uh, near his house um, in, uh, in in two thousand four, uh, which uh, which led to the reunion uh, of, of Crowded House. But before. Before we get to that, we get to that. I want to kind of flag one or two things, if that's okay with you. Uh, they're, they're writing, working on a couple songs uh, before they broke up, uh, which they put on "Recurring Dream," their their greatest hits album. Um, and I think the one I want to I want to highlight is uh, uh, "Not the Girl You Think You Are," uh, which is a beautiful, fantastic song. It is a. I mean, like you know, I know they resent the Beatles comparison, but it is a beautiful, beautiful Beatles song. And and that and that was you know that was going to be on the next album before Neil decided um, uh, to, to break to, to, uh, to wrap it up. Um, do you guys have any thoughts about the non-album tracks before we talk very briefly about the Finn Brothers? Well, I mean, I, actually, I, I think the "Not the Girl You Think You Are" is a fantastic song. But I, what I might want to talk about is uh, just briefly some of the stuff on their uh, B-sides and outtakes. Go for it. Afterglow. Yes. Uh, which is, you know, as I said in our pregame, I said it kind of reminds me of that Fountains of Wayne B-side set, which uh, was like shockingly good. Out of like, state plates, uh, yeah. Out of state plates were like, you know, they stashed some really great stuff on this. Like, you can touch is one of my. F- favorite crowded house songs of all time it's just a simple touch simple pop hook is that you can touch me you can touch me i won't die Mm -hmm. and it's inconceivable to me that it was relegated to like what is it the japan only bonus track (laughs) on together alone when it's better than most of the material on that album and i already told you guys that i really like that album i think that is a fantastic song i think there's there's other stuff on this like sacred cow 
mm-hmm. that is wonderful. Uh, I love you, Don. I said, you already mentioned Jeff. And uh, there's, you know, a, 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 the bulk of it is made up of the songs that that before Tim Finn was kind of inducted into the band for Woodface yep. was going to be what the next Crowded House album was. It's just like the stuff that that Neil had been writing and recording with the band before Tim got involved. And a lot of that stuff is really good too. Is is again, you know, these 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 for a a group that we know you the listener coming in have probably not really heard of or know much about it's a shocker how much of like just even the outtake material holds up mm-hmm. the only uh, uh the only other one i want to mention i'm looking right now uh everything is good for you uh mm-hmm. from afterglow is another one that I, I i like quite a bit but but by and large as jeff just mentioned that the quality is not that of a of a kind of b-sides toss-off album the quality is pretty high throughout yeah and 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 so so the band break neil breaks the band up um he wants to he wants to do his own thing and then he records i mean uh well first first thing he does he records an album with his brother um they, they put out an album um so the finn brothers uh put out two albums uh one was in uh 95 and the other is in uh in 2004 I don't want to go like too far into either. The first one was called Finn, um, and I, it's as simple because it could be either Finn, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. We're both in charge here. Um, uh, besides the wonderful title "Bullets in My Hairdo," which is a good name for a song, uh, I think "Only Talking Sense" uh, is, is 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 a wonderful, uh, wonderful song. Uh, and then they have a 2004 follow-up album uh, called Everyone Is Here, which is primarily about family, uh, which is unsurprising, um, wh- which is a theme. So he plays a lot with Tim. And now that you know, the, the current instantiation of Crowded House, he plays with his sons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liam and Elroy uh, play with him, and, and they, they are posting stuff reasonably regularly on their YouTube channel uh, yeah. right now. They're kind of quarantined together in New Zealand, uh, playing music together uh, in their home. Uh, and I guess uh, three tracks off everyone here that is really good. There's a um, Won't Give In uh, is it's kind of an anthem about family. Uh, you know, what does it mean when like you will never, you know, you, you will stand, stand by or stand with people uh, forever, and it's not—it's not a love song, a romantic love song. It's about the bonds of family uh, and loyalty, um, which is which is really which is really powerful. And 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 one song, you know, I my wife thinks it's kind of twee, and it probably is. No, um, I, 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 I'm pretty sure I know which one this is. But disembodied is voices. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. So it's twee. It's totally twee. Um, but I have two little boys. Uh, they're seven and ten. Um, they have their own bedrooms that they occasionally sleep together. And this song is about like, the, you know, you go to bed when you're a kid. You're sharing a bedroom with your brother. The lights go out, and you're just talking. Um, and they're talking about, you know, this is what we were doing 40 years ago. Um, and it was so much easier then. And this kind of refers to the challenges. I think you know, the Neil out, you know, the, the, the tensions between Neil and Tim with split ends and him joining the band and leaving the band and, and, and the complications of that. 
Um, but what we're doing now came so much easier then. But this still tracks across time. And yeah, it's kind of twee. It's kind of sentimental. Someone will call me a soy boy for liking this song. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I like it too. I think I, I like it too. too. <laughs> I, I think it's a very it's a sentimental song. You know, yes. like, You know, we we could be anywhere. You know, and, yeah. and you know, yeah, exactly. Like we made our choices. Let's work out what we're gonna do. Talking with my brother. Down the hallway 40 years ago And what became much harder Was so easy then Opening up and letting go Disembodied voices is a nice song yes 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 so uh, that, that's that's my that's that's my take on the finn brothers stuff and i guess that brings us to the reunion uh the unexpected reunion and boy you know sometimes these things work out really poorly and really disastrously but you got to give credit to 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 neil finn that that the crowded house reunion was anything but a disaster because this is not the eagles <laughs> yeah just, well, well, i mean Jesus, they actually did put out like, like some studio stuff didn't they oh, long yeah. road out of eden yeah <laughs> oh my good lord god well no you you are not going to be disappointed if you liked anything you'd heard up to this point you're gonna like time on earth and you're gonna like intriguer these are the last two up up until this date albums that crowded house has done that time on earth is 2007 um and uh Boy, you know, I was tempted to call it the uh, the obligatory Steve Lillywhite album because I think every like nostalgia act eventually records an album with Steve Lillywhite as producer. Um, you know, uh, but it's not really because he doesn't produce all the songs. No. Well, actually. they they almost hired him for Together Alone before they mm-hmm. they brought in Youth, so he was on the radar screen previously. Uh, but then brought in to produce at least yeah, some tracks is, on Time on Earth. He'd already, he'd already been producing stuff like Dave Matthews Band right. and things yeah. like that. He, he, he's now kind of like, you know, the, the, the uh, silver-haired eminence <laughs> of like, yes, you know, if you, if you were a classic <laughs> band in the 80s, you can trust me not to destroy your sound. Kind <laughs> of guy. Get us that guy from Under the Table and Dreaming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I want that guy from, uh, you know, like, you know, uh, you know, early early two thousands, Dave Matthews. But the other thing is, is that you can't you can't really make fun of this album because this album is really good. The thing is, is that he, Neil Finn's songwriting ability it hasn't flagged over the years. You know, I, I don't, I, I haven't really gotten into his pure solo stuff. Just him alone, and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not even going to pretend that I have a real grasp on it. So. I, I'm not really qualified to talk about like his solo albums, but I'm going to say that like when he's working with the band and writing for the band and sort of you know conscious of like this is a crowded house album and not like a, a Finn Brothers or like a Neil Finn Alone album, this stuff rises to the occasion. I love Don't Stop Now. Mm-hmm. I love She Called Up. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that there's again even a child, you know, yeah. is like, co-written with Johnny Marr. 
Johnny Marr. You know, they get, they get, you know, again, you know, like he's kind of like very boomer nostalgia. In a <laughs> Here we go. Like, you know, here's your, your favorite guitarist from the Smiths. But like, <laughs> great, great song. It's like I had nothing I can complain about on it. The stories left to write. The ebb and flow of my life. To justify the end. I'll do everything I can. I just think this is this you know it's ironically enough of of the two post reunion um crowded house albums this is the one i like less but i still like it a lot Uh, you're a huge fan of it scott right yeah i like it an, an awful lot um and there's so many, so many really good tunes here. And Walk Your Way well. Down, man. That's a good song. Yeah. Ethan Johns also produced a number of tracks here. And I think they, I think both he and Steve Lillywhite really capture the band uh, very well. Look, lyrically and thematically, oh, there's a whole lot about Hester's death. I mean, it's all over in some of these songs, in some of the lyrics. And certainly, I think that the album sort of hangs together thematically about, you know, post-death. Uh, uh, I mean, and She Called Up, which Jeff mentioned, is uh, is a really good song about kind of making the best of a bad situation. But, you know, She Called Up, gave me the news. There was nothing I could do. Um, get, I mean, I always feel like that. That's like literally about getting the phone call. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She called up and gave me the Beautiful sections in there where, where the piano is kind of doubling the, the, the melody, this kind of burbling organ throughout uh, on She Called Up, which uh, is a really, really good song. Jeff mentioned even a child, too, which is great. It has that very you know, trademark Johnny Mark guitar song, sound because he plays on it as well. Uh, Silent House, which some people might know because uh, Neil Finn co-wrote and, and gave that one to the Dixie Chicks. And had it on one of their albums. This is almost like a singular song in their collection. It's the only one I would ever be tempted to write down. What I wrote down: swampy and southern. I, I, I don't know mm-hmm. if you can I, say that about any it other house song, yeah. but it sounds uh, not quite bluesy, but very swampy and southern in its in its sound. Well, that's, that's Neil Finn, born on the Bayou. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's it, that's another one from the South Island. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> much less the deep south of America. Yeah. <laughs> Red 
are in pieces now The pages are shredded Everything that you made by hand Everything that you know by heart I will try to collect That's, a, that, that's another one, too, about losing a loved one, too. Uh, so, you know, an elderly person who's losing memories in their facilities. And so, the, like, their memories now have to become your memories because you'll, you'll, you'll sort of carry carry on what they've done. Um, English Trees is, is very good. Uh, but again, yeah. mourning, my heart's been broken, all this stuff. Nothing is sadder, I know, than the passing of time. Um, and, and the first song, which is a little more upbeat, that nobody wants to, but even nobody wants to, is like nobody wants to think about dying. Nobody wants to think about that sort of thing. It's a very soft, soaring song that uh, almost dissolves into a jam toward the end. Uh, there's just so many really great highlights on here. Uh, and this was originally going to be a Neil Finn uh, solo album that he kind of called people in randomly, play on this, play on that. You know what? It does sound like a Crowded House album, so that's what it became. Um, you know, a lot of mid-tempo, uh, some ballads, and again, lyrically, it's there's a lot about Hester's death or just death or ending things or, you know, conclusions. Uh, it would not be the conclusion of Crowded House's career, but for a restart uh, after a breakup, man, is this a great album. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I love uh, Nobody Wants To. I think I can kind of read it in, I can read it in a number of different ways with the lyrics. Like part... I, I think I think your your read is 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 good that you don't no one wants to talk about death, um, but what part of me wonders like it almost and, I, and again I've, I've, I haven't done any reading on this and I could be projecting wrongly. Um, I almost wonder if it, if it's a song about guilt. Um, no one really wanted mm. to talk and think mm. about mm. what Paul's troubles were. Right, we kind of tiptoe around it, um, and nobody protects you. Uh, I, I I wonder if it's a song about feeling, you know guilty knowing there's a, there's an elephant in the room that you're not talking about mm-hmm. um and uh and again don't stop now is uh is is fantastic and uh one one song uh, and again I, I like english trees too um little little guitar riffs in the back are fantastic they make it go away pretending that it's all okay on the ground Everyone's tiptoeing round Nobody wants to think about it Nobody wants to talk about it No one protects you
One that you all haven't mentioned, and, and it's a little kind of on the nose in the kind of imagine uh, John Lennon genre, but I do think Par- Parlemon is, yeah. is very pretty. Yeah. Uh, it's no, I agree. It's it's uh, it's uh, it's pretty, but I would say you know English Trees and Nobody Wants to and uh, Don't Stop Now are, uh, are are my favorite on this album. But it's and and it, and, and I started you know getting into them more in the past year or two. Um, you know, I started listening to this album with trepidation, worrying that it was going to be uh, <laughs> "Hell Freezes Over" Eagles uh, kind of thing. Uh, but it's really good. Um, it, it's really good. I would argue that even better than that is their last album to date, uh, and this was a shocker. Uh, this is their their 2000, I believe, 29, 2010, 2010, 2010. 2010. Yep, yep. Intriguer, Intriguer, another 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 classic. You know, uh, of house move where the title track isn't even on the album <laughs> it, it's it's just a b-side and by the way a great song yeah um this record uh was actually the one that that the rest of you guys were like yeah i'm not so sold on this and so i was like all right well this will be you know like yeah everyone everyone's entitled every band that's had a good career is entitled to a weak final album because that's the way that that career trajectories usually work but no i really like intriguer and this Gosh, this could actually be on the in the end of the show on my two favorite albums. It is a different, qualitatively different sound than a lot of earlier Crowded House works. Mm-hmm. It is lighter, it's more acoustic, and in fact, and on a funny way, you know, Tim Finn is nowhere on this album, but it does feel to me like kind of early split ends, like when they were still like acoustic Jethro Tully, semi art rock prog. This is a much more pop take on that, but it's a lighter production touch, it's a lighter arrangement touch. So there are songs like Art. Archer's arrows, which mm-hmm. I just love, you know, like, you know, the archer fires away where we hope to rise again and high when the arrow comes down. It's a beautiful song, but it's it's a light. It's not like heavy guitars. There aren't like big synths. It's 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 a much more. I guess I have to say it's an adult mellow sound. See the arrows fly. Master of the house You look so indifferent now With the sucker hanging from your mouth But you can't be safe You can't betray your will We're almost gone It's time to take over But mannered. It, it, <laughs> no, I don't think it's mannered at all. Mannered, mannered would mean stiff to me. It was, oh, okay, it, okay, okay, okay. It, yeah. when, I, when I think of mannered, I think of like you know artificial and kind of forced. Uh, there's okay, nothing, fair, there's yeah. nothing mannered about this. You know, like either side of the world is another one that I really love. Where I, I, I just think that this is a sound that sonically is so far like 
the evolution of you know you know Finn kind of sort of you know growing older, but also not letting go of his muse and not letting go of his artistic talents. That that happiness is far from home line. Uh, the way he sings that, I just I just love that. As there's, mellow, there's almost echoes power. of Arcade Fire uh, in either side of the world to a little yeah. bit. And there were that that end of. Uh, inside out you know that move me into silence refrain at the end of that song mm-hmm. that's mesmerizing and you know what and here's the biggest irony of this album and this will be my last comment on i'll let you guys say i think the best song on this album wasn't included on this album it is a bonus track on the two cd reissue available only in australia and new zealand but <laughs> you can find it if you go to neil finn's website thankfully jeff clued me into this so like neil has uploaded it to his own personal sound yeah there's a private there's a private private SoundCloud. If you go to neilfin.com, you can listen to all of Intriguer because you cannot listen to it on Spotify or, or YouTube or, anything or like iTunes. That. Yeah. Well, okay. The first song on the bonus disc is this thing that they, they did like some live gigs in 2008 before they recorded the album. And I guess one of the songs that for whatever reason didn't make the album or was not recorded in the studio sessions, which I think is just insane, is a song called The Only Way to Go is Forward. All right, it opens disc two, and I think it may actually be one of their five best songs. There is this great, great kind of just oh, oh, oh chorus at the end of the song, like oh, 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 oh. I'm not even going to try to sing it because I'll embarrass myself, and also my son is awake and running around in the other room, and I don't want to <laughs> rouse him. He'll think Dad's in pain. Yes, exactly. It is. Uh, it is something that that Crowded House didn't actually usually do, which is really simple straight ahead you know power pop and it almost is sort of fun to see them like i guess at the end of their career at least to date you know it's been 11 years or 10 years since their last album um you know see them coming back around to and it's just a wonderful track yeah i um yeah so it was a it's been a bit of a grower for me and like in the past week because <laughs> like I couldn't find it anywhere uh, and I've been listening to more of it and the more I listen to it the more I spin it the more I like it um, so I was initially kind of eh it's respectable um, but now I'm now I'm really enjoying it um, again I love I, I like Archer's Arrows um, uh, I think Eye of the Side of the World is quite good I think Falling Dove is 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 quite good it's kind of a sweet folky song uh, but then you have like John Lennon burst in three quarters of the way through uh, with a, with like a, a kind of Beatlesy um, intervention, uh, which is uh, which which is really great. And I and I do love the the kind of uh, the driving guitar uh, on even if and 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 the other Jeff or the original Jeff uh, is right about the only way to go forward. And and one one last note. Um, so the Intriguer, the the eponymous uh, song, which is not on the album. Um, I think it was Scott in our kind of pregame mentioned that um, this is a very Wilco-y song. This this sound reminds me very much of the uh, Out of Mind, Out of Sight, which is the the second version uh, on on the second disc of being the, the, the there. The one that sounds Wilco. like the Beach Boys Christmas Party version. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, so it's got that kind of feel to it, which is uh, and it's about a girl. The girl's the intriguer, um, and it's 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 good. It's really good.
I am I'm pleasantly you know I'm pleasantly surprised not because I I, I had any reason to believe like they're going to run out of steam like that. but you know like the reunion album in 2010 you know 14 years after they break up um, you, you have kind of low expectations given the way rock tends to work but this is isn't it great when your favorite really, bands don't disappoint you yeah they, <laughs> like they just like they don't they don't become sucky it's wonderful uh, first of all Intriguer sounds like the name of a 90s Oldsmobile model <laughs> the 95 Oldsmobile Intriguer the 1993 Oldsmobile Intriguer it really does uh, <laughs> It, it's a fine album. It, it really is. Jim Scott to help produce. He produced Wilco's Sky Blue Sky, and well, that uh, makes sense. Yeah, and then Wilco the band. He he helped produce that too. Well, there's the connection. And yeah, so right, there's yeah. I, I hear a lot of that, uh, which is not a, not necessarily a bad thing, but um, uh, the steady polished songwriting. I mean, it's it's totally a, a crowded house type album. Um, you guys, uh, well, actually, two songs, probably my two favorite songs here, you didn't mention neither of them, which is fine. Uh, Isolation, I, I like an mm-hmm. awful lot. Just a very pretty track. Um, it turns into a hard rocker, too, yes, at the end yes. of it, too. Which, like halfway which, through it, suddenly like, all the guitars come out. Well, you, know, you break out of Isolation. Uh, uh-huh. There's the first chorus. There's this sort of beep, beep, boop in the background that reminds me of a heart monitor. And so, I don't know, for whatever reason, I'm thinking of Isolation, you know, hospital mm-hmm. room, heart monitor. Uh, that's a really good track. And then my favorite on the album, and still really one of my favorites that the, the band has done, is Twice If You're Lucky. This was the one that prompted my comment about burying some of the best tracks toward the back half of things. Uh, Twice If You're Lucky is in the back half of Intriguer. Man, is that great, this slide guitar that sort of sets the tone. It really is kind of a pure pop moment, one of the ones that Jeff was just talking about earlier, a little piano here and there. Uh, Times... um, Times that come only once in your life or twice if you're lucky is the chorus. That is my favorite song on Intriguer. That's a reference to having two kids. Could be. Hmm. And now they're both playing with them in the band. You can see, uh, as, yeah. as Jeff mentioned, the, uh, the I know they've done at least the two. If you go to the uh, Neil Finn's website, I think right on the front page are the YouTube uh, links for Don't Dream It's Over and Something So Strong. So those are right there. They've done some other things, too, but those are, are highlighted very prominently. And Mitchell Froome is playing uh, keys on uh, both those songs with the band. So it's uh, I, I love that, like, like, you know, he does his he has an album with his son, Liam Finn. Uh, you know, and of course, you know Neil is of course old at this point. You know, he's got gray hair, and he's, he's an old guy. He's got glasses on. And he's starting to look a lot like Nick Lowe. And, 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 yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He, he, that's a great analogy. He looks exactly like Nick Lowe, right? You know, like like a venerable old guy. And then his son has got this like pre-Raphaelite hair down to his <laughs> shoulders, and his you know his his shirt is unbuttoned to his to his waist, and like the, the hairy chest. And it's like he's posing with Jason. 
he, he still looks like Jason Momoa from Aquaman, basically. And, and it's like it's like a hilarious contrast between the two of them. I guess it's 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 youth versus you know wild Elder style. Steve. Yeah. So, but yeah, I'm glad to see that he's still going strong yeah. and still making good music. And, you know, you wouldn't to- you wouldn't toss away the possibility of new music, I suppose, because Neil Finn writes a lot, and uh, the band is still. I mean, they were supposed to be touring. I mean, literally right now. Uh, yeah, with the, the I, pandemic I, has put things on hold. Yeah, I was supposed to go to a conference in Oxford this summer, and I was going to extend it for a couple of days to go see them in Ireland, but because I've never seen them before, but they put that off. But they were supposed to be, they were going to work on a new album, uh, but I think I think COVID has put that off. Yeah, uh, they pushed all their dates back a year, like literally just like a whole calendar year, yeah, which that's, hopefully will that's, be okay. Isn't that depressing? I just saw that, I think Nico Case and some others are like, all right, my March, you know, my, my May 2028 is now May 2021. Like, man, that's 13 yeah. months away. There's a TPL for the year. Yeah, goodness. It's, well, you know what? Uh, the way I think about it is it gives them a lot of time to write. That's sure. the best possible yeah. spin you can put on it. Right? Yes. And uh, anyway. there is the political beach look on the work of Crowded House. Uh, we come to the part of the show where we ask all of us to give you two albums that you should own, five songs you absolutely have to hear from our featured artists. Our guest always goes first, Jeff Pojadowski, professor of law at Notre Dame Law School. Find him on Twitter, at Pojadowski, and we find out right now his two albums and five songs. Jeff? So I think the albums are easier than the songs. Um, The albums, I'm going to go with Woodface, um, which is not surprising. Um, And I'm going to go with Together Alone. Uh, I, I... I think together alone. If 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 push comes to shove, and I had to pick one, um, I think I might pick that. Um, so I'm I'm tempted to ch- to cheat uh, and not include "Don't Dream It's Over" because okay. everyone's heard it already, uh, and and say and do five in addition to that. Uh, but I won't. Uh, I won't cheat. Um, so I will go with "Don't Dream It's Over." Um, I will go with "Now We're Getting Somewhere." Um, better be home soon. Fall at your feet. And as much as I like the reunion albums and I don't want to uh, disrespect them, um, I still want to go with Distant Sun uh, from Together Alone. Uh, my two albums would be Woodface. Um, again, those harmonies there are so fantastic. And I, uh, Time on Earth, the, the first reunion album, would be my second album on, on the list. Uh, I will cheat, unlike Jeff, and uh, leave off Don't Dream It's Over, assuming that 99.4% of the population has heard that track. Um, but Now We're Getting Somewhere is on my list from that first album. Uh, Into Temptation from the second album, I think really, really is a fantastic song. Uh, Fall at Your Feet, which uh, Jeff had talked at length about earlier, that chorus is just so golden, so good. Uh, Distant Sun, which was also on, on Jeff's list, is on my list. And then actually from the uh, the very last uh, album, Twice If You're Lucky, is an outstanding track that you should definitely seek out and try to find. Jeff? And, oh, if I get to cheat, I get to add Private Universe. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you know what? I, I hate both of you cheating bastards because I actually had to narrow mine down to five, feeling like I was obligated to do so. So, you know, you can both go to hell. Um, my, my top two albums, uh, boy, this is, this is actually the hard part for me. You know, once upon a time, I would have said it was Woodface for sure. But I think now I'm going to go with Crowded House, the debut album, and I'm going to go with Intriguer, their final album. And, of course, there's so much in between that is worth hearing, and I guess that's probably where uh, most of my picks are going to come from anyway. Um, my top five songs are, are uh, Mean to Me, 
from the debut album, which I just think is hilarious. I'm not going to pick Don't Don't Dream It's Over. Don't Dream It's Over is fantastic. <laughs> but Me to Me is such a hilarious tune and is, is so perfect, I think, as a way to sort of start their career. Uh, Better Be Home Soon off of Tempo of Low Men, the last song on the album. Uh, never should have been a, a single, but it, it's a beautiful conclusion to an album. And also, it's worth pointing out that that you know when Paul Hester uh, died, uh, that was the song that that Neil Finn chose to play mm-hmm. as a tribute to him. Like it mm-hmm. was at I think you know a, a Australian or New Zealand awards show, and you know you know Neil came out and he played that to like you know a, you know a, a display of images of Paul you know throughout his career, and it's perfect in that way. It really kind of works. You know. It, it gets recontextualized beautifully in, in that way. Uh, two songs from Woodface, which I didn't mention as an album, but these two songs I think are kind of the, my two favorite sort of mega pop grooves of Crowded House's career. The first of them is Fall at Your Feet, which Scott mentioned. And the second, I'm surprised that neither of you mentioned it, is Weather With You. I, I just think that chorus is... Uh, put a gun to my head. That's the best chorus that Neil Finn ever wrote. You know, in terms of just like big, you know, truly compulsively listenable pop hook. I think there's a. It's no accident that that's the song that opens Recurring Dream, mm-hmm. their greatest hits album. They started with that one because that is the one that will just warm its way into your brain. And I've been waking up to it in my head for the last two <laughs> weeks. Um, and I guess the last one I'll end with is the uh, uh, the bonus track from Intriguer. It's the only way to go is forward. Uh, yeah, it was never recorded in the studio to my knowledge. And uh, they just did it live at a sawmill, I believe. As a sawmill at a sawmill in the North Island of New Zealand or something like that, the Lee Sawmill or something like that, um, it, as one does. Uh, it is a fantastic track. And, it, and I guess in a way, it, it's sort of almost an intentionally humble, you know, don't bore us just get to the chorus kind of great uh you know reduction of everything that that neil finn was fantastic at as a songwriter and everything a crowded house was fantastic at as a band in in terms of uh, a melody that you will hear once and you will never forget Political Beats look at Crowded House. We thank our guest on the episode, Jeff Podjadowski, professor of law at Notre Dame Law School. Watch for his writings on administrative law, legal interpretation, and philosophy of law. Also, uh, hot stuff. Yes. <laughs> White heat, red hot. Uh, at Podjadowski on Twitter. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us once again here on Political Beats. Thank you so much for indulging me. And uh, Jeff, 
Let's see. I don't know what we're doing next. We'll have to figure it out. You know what? We always seem to find a way. That's right. There are more bands and more artists out there, as far as I know. We also. I'm stunned you guys haven't done a Genesis one yet. <laughs> oh, oh, that. Maybe we can just point out. I, I, I have our guests for the first half, but I need to find someone who's willing to do that Phil Collins half of me because that's actually my favorite half of the band. I'm of course, it is. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, since Jeff uh, Pojanowski has chosen Crowded House, we we now are searching for a potential squeeze, squeeze guest, guest as well. <laughs> yeah. Is, is, is Chris Scalia a squeeze guy? Well, we're going to find out someday. Yep. <laughs> uh, find uh, find Jeff on Twitter at EsotericCD. My name is Scott Bertram, at Scott Bertram on Twitter. Subscribe to our feed for new episodes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. Tune in, go to nationalreview.com and find more. Uh, at Political Beats, or at Political underscore Beats on Twitter is where to find us. And Political Beats on Twitter or on Facebook. I'll get it right someday. This has been a presentation of National Review. This is Political Beats.